back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the most important person in the game, the Dungeon Master. I am one of your hosts, DM Chris. And I'm DM Mitch. And I'm DM Neil, a.k.a. Jote Moniac. We and did it. And the gang's all here. We passed here our skill today. challenge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, did we? Did we? I mean, I don't, oh, no, we no, can I talk don't. about that. We, we came ready to help each other out for the skill challenge of this episode. Because we are talking about skill low, challenges. It was a very low skill challenge success rate that we needed to hit. So I think we rolled three right now. Yeah, row. but it's also Perfect. us, so we need all of our help to join. <laughs> <laughs> One failure, and it was over. <laughs> it was over. It was over. So we almost had that with Neil pre-recording. So, you know, we're good. But if you haven't figured it out yet, we are talking about skill challenges, which is different than skill checks. We had a long conversation about this uh, off air beforehand. They involve skill checks, but... It is a skill challenge, and we will talk all about what those are, what the distinctions are, and how you might be able to include those things in your campaign when we get to the meet, which we have nothing else, so we might as well get to the meet, right, boys? Let's do it. Let's head to the meet. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meats? Looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. All right, so like we said at the beginning, we are talking about skill challenges today. Skill challenges is a game mechanic, if you are unfamiliar with the term, that it came out of 4th edition. It was a pretty prominent feature in 4th edition, uh, and there have been a number of people who have taken uh, the idea of skill challenges and created uh, a 5th edition model for it. You can go online and find plenty of those. Uh, really, the idea of skill challenges is easy to take in really any edition of Dungeons and Dragons. But um, is does somebody want to explain kind of the big question here? Uh, Chris, you said uh, it's not skill checks. Uh, it's something a little bit different. But somebody want to explain what exactly is a skill challenge? What does it look like uh, for a DM to run a skill challenge for his players? Well, I, I think you brought it up the best way is that it works in every edition of D&D because I think at its heart it's always been a part of D&D it still is it's just with how well codified everything was for fourth edition that like it just had really strict rules around it for that edition but like basically it's your players versus the environment rather than your players versus direct NPCs we roll initiative I attack you attack someone eventually dies gold falls from the skies um it's great but the idea that like <coughs> In an old school dungeon, let's say we're playing first edition D&D, the idea of a skill challenge still exists because I need to, what, search down this hallway, I need to investigate the door, I'm going to pick the lock on the door, I'm going, those sorts of scenarios always existed, but in fourth edition, again, it was codified to the, to the degree of you need X number of successes before reaching why number of failures to complete the skill challenge? Yeah, I think one of the most helpful helpful parts about a skill challenge is, like you said, Neil, I think most DMs are doing some sort of a skill challenge regularly in their games. But for those who aren't uh, coming from fourth edition and having played that and familiar with skill challenges, they might just not be thinking about it in that way. I think the idea, the concept of a skill challenge what one of the great benefits of it is when you are planning a dungeon crawl or a um, 
a situation that isn't uh, combat, but it's going to require some skills to get through. Uh, for me, in my mind, thinking about it as a skill challenge uh, is going to help me to plan for it better, uh, to make it a little bit more exciting, suspenseful than if I'm just in the situation um, asking for one single skill check uh, or two or ju just not thinking about it besides just a couple skill checks. I think a skill challenge can help me to plan better to make it more exciting. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think, it, I think it does allow us as DMs to plan a little bit better, have things more thought out, um, and have them be pretty engaging, I think, yeah. because we've had time to think think them through. Obviously, nothing against improving things. I've improved many skill challenges in my day. But yeah, I was thinking about, like, how, like, there are so many reasons to use them. And if you don't use them, that's fine. But, like, I think they really do allow you to think through them and it, and in the thinking through process it allows you to help your players shine by giving specific skill checks to either somebody who maybe doesn't get maybe isn't super into role playing necessarily their character but really loves rolling dice right like it can give them a really fun opportunity to display their character's ability um by having to get a certain number of skill uh checks within the challenge right to say like yeah my rogue is super awesome um, because they could do this, but I'm not going to role play my character a whole lot. So I think it allows for different styles of play for um, players. That's really fun. I, I was thinking about this as you were talking, Mitch. I said uh, in the note that I wrote down, I was like, I think they can help with speed of play sometimes because sometimes like really long dungeons can be a slog to get through or situations where it's like, yeah, I did not want to spend an hour on all of these interactions that happened. And so you could say the beginning for the speed of play, we're going to do some skill challenges in this social situation or whatever, especially like, I think if your players are not good at role-playing or don't want to role-play, like if there are social situations where they go and it's like, okay, you're trying to peruse a room and gather information. Well, what we're going to do is you need to get four successful charisma, you know, whatever, whatever uh, performance checks or whatever you need. And then I'll give you the information and based on how many they get in a row, you might give different bits of information along the way instead of saying, well, now we have to sit here for 45 minutes and have this really awkward time at this social gathering that my players don't want to do or me as a DM is not good at role playing or whatever. It can help in those situations, I think, too, to still give your players the ability to get the information or solve the puzzles they need without taking up exorbitant amounts of time to get those things done. I think it can help uh, the players shine. Uh, I think we talk about this so much in, on the show, but um, know, as a DM, knowing your players, right? And e that goes with the way that they play, their strengths, their weaknesses. And like as we're talking about this, I know that there are players I've had at my table that uh, they have a character that they like, they are very skilled at certain things, but. Uh, they're maybe it's just from simply forgetting that that's something they can do. That's a skill that they're uh, really gifted in. They rarely sometimes get a chance to use it. Um, if you have a player like that or players like that at your table, a skill challenge can give your players a chance, their characters to shine, bringing certain skills to the forefront of a of a challenge of a situation. Um, in which they aren't just walking away from the table for the fourth time going, oh man, I, I've never used that skill, even though that I have that skill. It'd probably be great if I got a chance to use that skill. 
I think it'd be a great thing to create a skill challenge that can let your players shine with their skills that they have built up. Yeah. I, the other thing I think of, and this happens on the podcast regularly, where I feel like our discussions make me think something profound, but then I immediately double think of like, this might not be <laughs> profound at all. I'm still inevitably going to say it. Um, but one of the things that made me think was, Often there's a negative connotation about, air quote, the story being on rails. And to a degree, depending on how strict your skill challenge is, it can certainly feel like it is on rails because it is very strict of which skills can be used, how many successes and how many failures. But at the same time, like one of the ways that I don't feel like I've ever looked at that idea from the other side was until now there's something very nice about those rails for a dm who is very early in their career because the idea that a skill challenge it just has those really set rules could make someone who is new to the table very comfortable because now i can really think about okay mitch you're going to use athletics i understand how i feel like that can interact with my skill challenge um, and it, you know, and then as time goes on, if you were to switch it, and know Chris, you were mentioning this before, like that switch between athletics and acrobatics is probably one of the most commonly asked questions at the table, inevitably because one person is really strong and one person is really dexterous, um, and inevitably one will ask to do the other. Sure, that works lo- long term, but you know, in that early stages, I think a skill challenge can really help to set a DM up for long-term success with more imaginative scenarios later, but early. Well, to play off of that. Yeah. To play off that too. Like, I think if you are an experienced DM with completely new players, like it might not be for the DM's benefit, but it might actually be for the player's benefit because there have been a number of times where I've come to the table with people who are new where it's like, I don't know what I can do in this situation. Like I have zero idea what's going to happen here. It's like, it could be a very basic way to say, okay, let's in the first few sessions where there's not like, you're not really getting into the depths of the story yet necessarily. You might have the ability to say, we're going to do a lot of these skill challenges for each player. Like where I'm going to create specific scenarios that are going to need a specific player to do a skill challenge that may involve multiple different of their skills. And I'm going to be very straightforward about that so they can understand when to use that and how to use that and what times would be appropriate to use that in the future because they now have an example situation of when they use that skill um, in the past. So I think it could be really good for a seasoned DM. Oftentimes we forget that as we go, like, oh, I'll explain things as they figure it out along the way. It's like, well, no, sometimes we need to actually help them along the way because our helping people along the way is like, well, they know how the sandbox stuff works. Um, When in reality, it's like, no, maybe we actually have to give them the shovel and teach them how to dig sand and put it into the, you know, sand castle a little bit. We always got that one player who's eating sand. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good point though, Chris. I think of for a DM with new players, it can be a great way to teach them even just what their skills are. Like what is the difference between acrobatics and athletics? You create a challenge that has those two and the way that you describe the successes and failures and what the characters are doing with those skills can teach the differences, can teach what situations they might in the future outside of a skill challenge use those skills for. I think it could be a, definitely a place where you teach. As Also, as a DM that's been DMing for a while now, I the a big thing that keeps coming to my mind is 
when I'm creating dungeons, like it's always kind of a one of the slowest processes uh, for a DM for me is creating a new dungeon for characters to go in and go through. And it's like I, I, I can just think of myself drawing the next room and then just sitting there for five minutes going, OK, what's in this room? <laughs> right. Like, is it just another combat? Is it like a treasure room? Is it a puzzle room? I appreciate having the concept now that I can go. This is this room is a skill challenge room. Uh, there's going to be uh, the bridge is going to start falling and there's going to be three successes uh, or three failures, three things that happen uh, for them to get through this dungeon room based on it being a skill challenge. I love the idea of having a skill challenge be a new type of room that you can put into your dungeon format that can help make your dungeon more dynamic uh, and exciting and su- suspenseful. Well, the other thing is like having those really, again, we're we're focusing really on like the really hard rules about the skill challenge because I think soon enough we're going to talk about a lot of different rules that results may vary. But I think the other thing is having really set success, really set failure, and and that also is helpful because now everyone knows what's what's going on. Every player knows what. Success means every player knows what failure means and the DM can operate under that as well. Because then from there, you know, you could shift to what is a partial success? What is a partial failure? Um, and, you you know, the, the thing I think of is like I, we keep saying success and failure, but like failure doesn't have to be big. Success doesn't have to be big with these either. It's not like either you win or you die. I mean, that's often how combat feels. So I think that that, that kind of comes over to the idea of a skill challenge, but it just dawned on me like the, none of that's true. Like failure could be an inconvenience at yeah. most if that's how you wanted to play it. Yeah, like you you have to unlock a door and it takes three successes to unlock the door. And if you fail three times, then everything breaks inside the lock and you can't get in. Like it's not like all of a sudden, no, the door is going to explode and you die. <laughs> like it's not... It's not, I mean, maybe that's the challenge, but then it's a mimic. (laughs) Yeah, right. Right. But yeah, the the challenge doesn't have to be like the failure doesn't have to be catastrophic. That sounds like one of the most exciting skill challenges ever. All right, guys, you got to open this door. (laughs) It seems like two failures. You're fine. (laughs) Three failures. It's a mimic and you die. A terrible. It changed the reality of what the door was. Uh, okay, yeah, let's, I mean, let's talk about the mechanics, um, because I think it, it, it's a weird thing for us to say on the show. Let's talk about the mechanics, right? But I think us talking about basically with the mechanics, how would we run a skill challenge? What are different ways that we could do it? There's a whole lot of things that we want to talk about with that. So let's let's bring it back to the what a skill challenge is. It's this idea that you have a certain a number of successes with different types of skills that you need to succeed on, your players need to pass um, before they reach a certain number of failures. Uh, it seems like the standard rule is uh, that you can have, a, you pick the X number of successes, but it seems the standard rule is it's three failures. Always three failures leads to the situation Does you do not succeed, you fail. So you, once you reach three, you're done. Of course, as a DM, that's up to your discretion, but at least in my mind, I think that's a pretty good rule and it can add on to the difficulty when you're just adding different successes. Three successes, three failures, pretty normal. Five successes, three failures, getting harder. 
uh, 10 successes, three failures, this is going to be a pretty difficult uh, challenge to succeed in. Um, I guess one of the first questions I want to ask you guys is, thinking about a skill challenge, uh, is it helpful to not just run skill challenges as a DM, but one, would you kind of want to bring your players in on the knowledge of what a skill challenge is, that this is a mechanic that you would now be using, and then when you do a skill challenge, would you want to tell your players, we're looking for seven successes versus three failures? Or would you say to them, this is a skill challenge that's going on right now. I'm not telling you how many successes you need, but you know three failures and you're done. I think it depends on the situation for me. Um, So I think it goes back to like the speed of play situation. Like if I am clearly trying to speed up the play to get to something meaningful, I would probably say, hey, we're going to do a series of skill checks. Um, or skill, we're going to do a skill challenge here. Like if we are perusing the room for information, this is a room full of drunken sailors or whatever. It might be an easy situation (laughs) because they're all drunk. They're, you know, filled. they've thrown, you know, everything out the window and there's an open book about everything, right? You need three successes, three failures, like super easy. Now, along the way, what I would say, if there's an NPC that you want somebody to specifically interact with, you can slow the speed of play down to say like, well, you come up to, you know, the captain of the deceitful compass or something like that, who is like this, you've heard of this person before. And that one you could have a little bit more interaction with. But in the end, you still have a skill check to see like how that all plays out. So I think that, yeah, that, that for me, uh, speed of play would be probably the biggest reason why I would tell people. But I think there's a lot of ways to like, not let it be known that there is a skill challenge. Like if I walked into a dungeon and there was a room where you see a spiral staircase going down, but there's a grate over top of it. And there's three different things around the room that you have to do in order to open the grate there. I might not say it's a skill challenge because they can clearly see there's three things that they have to do. But if they try it and they all fail, like they fail one of the times, it counts as a failure, you know? And in my mind, after three, there's a bigger trap that happens. You know, the ceiling starts to close on them or whatever as the failure for not making it through that skill challenge. So I guess it just depends for me what's the objective here. Do I want to speed up play, get them the information they need? Or is it actually going to create for a stressful, fun environment for their players to go forward? Yeah, I like the idea of of both. I think early on, I think especially with newer newer people on either side of the screen, I think having having it all out there is probably the better way to go. I mean, long term, in a lot of ways, if you think about that room, then just certain things need to have happened to that room. Not necessarily that your players needed to have done something specific. But though, you know, because you're talking about these three things, like those three things need to happen to the room. And once they do, they succeed, but also seeing what failure looks like. So I, too, would probably keep that a little bit more hidden, um, but then also just be tracking success and failure um, on the side. But I also think a lot of travel, using skill challenges for travel or exploration, because those can get those can just get either take way too much time or take way too little time, you know, with that like dotted line that went across the map and yay. Um, But having like a quick skill challenge to see how stressful on the party that was. And maybe each failure is a level of exhaustion, which means when they get to the town, they have to spend an extra day and that's still even quick, but then it still shows, you know, 
consequences for um, travel. Or you get lost and then it takes you an extra day out in the wilderness, you know. I think in general, I think I like the idea of actually telling the players. Um, and I think I like the idea of like introducing skill challenges as a mechanic. Uh, I'm I'm picturing in my mind like having set um, skill challenge uh, markers that you can like place out. So rather than saying like, okay, guys, welcome to another skill challenge, just like you would, you know, introduce combat by roll for initiative, you can place like these markers out there or these charts uh, that uh, are for skill challenges. So uh, maybe you have a couple of these and I'm just thinking of like a piece of paper. You can make it as nice as you want, right? That has like three check boxes for successes, three check boxes for failure. And maybe you can like have these tokens that you put on every time there's a success or every time there's a failure, just a visible like showing of what's how well or how poorly the skill challenge is going. But then, of course, you can like, you know, you, you set out that one that's like got 10 boxes for successes and three boxes for failure. Like that's something that I think would just by placing it out there, you're watching the players be like, oh, boy, because uh, I mean, we were talking about this before we even started the episode. But Neil, you mentioned like death saving throws. Players know how many they have to succeed and fail for. And every time I see some player rolling for death saving throws, it's suspenseful and they know. Obviously, there's it's up to the DM. But personally, I think that there's a way to do this and let the players know. Here's what a skill challenge is. I'm putting this out there for you. Let's see how it goes. Well, I think you could even not put it out there, but tell them that it's a skill challenge. Like you don't tell sure. them how many successes or failures they need in the same sort of way of a death saving throw. If if you hide, if you have the players hide those and stuff, they still know what's going on. But like I do that with my players where it's like, hey, don't tell anybody whether you got a success or a failure in combat because I want them to treat it as if like, oh, we just watched our friend go down. We either have to fight harder or we have to run to try and help them, right? You could say behind the screen, hey, this is a skill challenge and it's pretty hard, you know? Now for you, you know that means six successes and three failures, but for them, it's like, we don't know how many it's going to be, you know? Until you do it enough times (laughs) and then they figure out like an armor class of an enemy, like, oh, well, it's 15 here. And then you have to change the armor class on each individual enemy. So it's a little bit more, you know, fun, but. Well, yeah, and I, you brought up a good point that I had thought of before, but like, there's there's no reason you can't have a skill challenge inside of combat. Sure, uh, you know, like that's super super classic movie trope of you know, there's all of these enemies everywhere, every which way, but so and so has to disarm the bomb before it goes off and the city's gone. Like you, something to Then that you have effect. two stressful um, scenarios. Well, we, we, yeah, we've kind of not moved into the discussion on what does failure look like, but based on their failure, it could make the combat harder or keep enemies at bay or make it easier. Chris, you were talking about using skill challenges and you talked a lot about like time and like, I think of adding a skill challenge into a combat situation that they could just completely ignore but if they if they were to succeed on it, uh, maybe they are trying to to go back to the like now. Now I, I kind of made fun of you with the door thing. Now I'm going to return to the door, <laughs> uh, like closing, like closing <laughs> a door a gate that stops more enemies from charging into the room. You build this a skill challenge based on that, and their success or failure um, means the combat is easier or more difficult. 
yeah, you have the, you have the, you know, the wheel that's going to turn the portcullis down, you know, but it's going to take you 20 or 30 seconds to do this. And one person is dedicated to that. Meanwhile, each round you have three more kabolds run through the door. On on cue, you have three more, no matter what, coming in through the door. Yeah, you you failed, and you know you've broken the lock. There's no way to unlock it. Now I have to, you know, we go with brute strength. But now everybody on the other side of the door, and probably every one on both sides of the door, is fully aware of what's going on, um, and that 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 could be your fail. Or in doing that, it got three quarters of the way down. So now it's actually still helped, but it's they have to crawl under. So now there's only one coming through at a yeah. time instead of three, you know? So there's that element too to failure where it's like, it might not be a complete failure because you were in the process of doing something, but it still is a failure because now you still have one getting through every time. Well, I think that's the interesting thing that like I'd like to talk about with uh, failures, right? Because it... I don't think that you should run, um, and it seems that most of the internet agrees with me on this, that you should run Just uh, a skill challenge. Yeah, right. If, if the internet agrees with me, I'm in good, I'm in good standing, right? Um, yep. So, uh, but like with a skill challenge, don't look at it as just like only success or only failure. If you have three successes and you complete the skill challenge, yes, you succeed. But if you got a failure during your track to get there or two failures getting there, it should be a success, but I think there should be a cost. So Chris, I think that's a great example of you're thinking of a portcullis coming down or like a gate coming down. And so if the gate, if you get one failure, well, it comes down, but it doesn't come down fully. So all the kobolds are able to get through, but Hey, uh, your success is that you stopped that armored ogre from getting through but there's still some enemies getting through. It comes yeah. down even further. And yes, the kobolds are able to get through. But like you said, it slows the amount that they, they have to go slower and come through. There's a cost to the fact that you did have some failures. Well, yeah, I was going to say, even on the flip side of that, like if you think a situation is like, hey, we're running down an alleyway to get through, away from this bad guy and I just need three successes to get out. The same sort of thing could be true. Like it could be a windy alleyway, but along the way you you know, rip, you bump into a box and what you don't tell the players is, well, actually something ripped off of your body because you failed and now they're able to track you a little bit better and they can eventually like maybe a day or two down the road because they know the direction you're going, they can now catch up with you. Yep. That's a great example of a failure. Yeah. Some costs to failing a uh, skill challenge. It Even if it does want to death. You know? Yeah, it does. The Mick will find you. <laughs> So it's not it's not combat skill challenges, but I, here's a question I have with when we're talking about failures. Do, would you guys ever use damage as a as a consequence to a skill challenge? Uh, because kind of like Neil, you said, you know, the consequences don't have to be that bad. Like death, death is the big consequence of combat, right? Yeah. Um, I think all three of us would say, yeah, most skill challenges, especially the social ones. Well, sometimes social ones, real <laughs> failure can like execution, right? Or something. But like death is not going to be like you failed completely. Uh, death is not going to be the typical, hopefully, end of a skill challenge failure. Is damage ever on the table for you guys as a DM? And if so, when? For sure. I think so. I mean, you think about the the 
scientific experiments that they did with rats to teach them the right direction to go through <laughs> a tunnel, right? Not saying that this our players what we are want, rats yeah. or mice. Think of your players like, as science But think about like rats. if you are, yeah, if you're trying to do something mechanical, but it has a magical trap that can reset itself if you fail, right? Yeah. You know you need three mm. challenges, but if you fail something, you get electrocuted and you take three points of damage or, you know, roll a D4 worth of damage. Well, then there's a little bit of damage there each time and you might still be able to keep going, but it's like, well, what happens when you fail three times? Then there's a bigger, like you've tripped it enough for a bigger shock to come through. I think you can work it in as a trap to a specific skill challenge in situations like that. So yeah, I think there could be damage. I don't think damage should always be the answer. I think we can be more creative than that, but yeah. And for me, I think it just has to mean something because again, if you go back to the idea that like you're during travel and you have a failure and I damage you fifth edition, as long as you sleep, it was irrelevant, but then that's where that level of exhaustion comes in because then that's more meaningful for that skill challenge. So I think that's my big determining factor would be, does it mean something? Are they trying to go through that dungeon where every bit of healing is something that they need and every bit of damage really matters? Then, yeah, then it starts to make more sense to put it in there. Yeah, so that's, that's probably when I would do it. What about crit successes and crit failures? What would you guys do? Would you have a rule based on nat ones and nat twenties and skill skill challenges? And what would you guys do with that? They die. Um, no, they- <laughs> <laughs> lots of damage. They die. Yeah. No, I mean, but looking at a death save isn't isn't a bad way to go. And some of the stuff I saw online where it's hard because given how many successes you need versus how many failures you need, I would lean towards a one just automatically being a failure and a 20 being an automatic success potentially being two successes or advantage on the next check or i think giving a little bit more on that side makes more sense to me or having an inspiration that you could give to someone else something like that but for sure the one is a fail for sure the 20 is a success plus yeah, I think it depends on the situation for me. I think I would lean more towards no, but giving advantage or disadvantage, just because I think the the situations are so different that I don't know if a, for example, if it's a if it's a skill check skill challenge that's going to involve multiple people. I like the idea of giving advantage to the next person because you did your part of it so well. Hmm. That's a good. That's a good. That's, especially if it's like a different type of challenge. So the I, the example I have is like if you have to do something arcane the first round, right? But you suck at strength stuff or dexterity stuff. You do yours so well that it's like there's nothing in the way that would prevent the person from doing their physical challenge next. It makes sense to give the person advantage. I kind of also like that for other skill challenges too, because I think it I think it I think more so from the perspective of failures. I don't I don't especially if there's only three failures that causes a failure, you can get to that real quick, especially if you have like seven successes to get there giving somebody disadvantage still sucks, but it's not like, oh crap, I now have one left. And this was a fairly easy challenge. Like that doesn't seem like my character should fail at that terribly, Uh, but giving them disadvantage and then vice versa, giving them advantage on the next one is still a huge plus, but it's not swaying the scales to like the cataclysmic on the bad side or the, like triumphant the, the advantage is still going to mean a lot on the other side but i think it takes away the sting but still has a severity of like oh now i have 
disadvantage for the next one, but there's still a chance to not have it fully be two failures, I think is the reason I would probably do advantage and disadvantage over success and failure. I love, I love the advantage disadvantage. That's great. I was even thinking as you were, you were talking about that from a like social skill challenge perspective, it makes a lot of sense um, that if you crit fail, uh, you might say something that's so like insulting uh, in that situation that, yeah, it gives that next role, that next uh, skill challenge opportunity a and a disadvantage because you've kind of got to work your way back from it. Or with a nat 20, you you say something that's so uh, well-spoken. You've got that silver tongue thing going on that it sets it up to make it easier for that next person in line. That's a, that's a great mechanic. Yeah. Or it's, or it's like, Hey, you've done so well. Let me introduce you to somebody, you know, as another layer to the social extravagant, you know, the social situation. Then you're having their words saying like, Oh, this person's amazing. Like I've been talking with them for the past 10 minutes. You should totally get to know this person. Thusly setting up the next player or the, that player to say, well, now I have this great stamp of approval going to talk to the Baron of this town or whatever. And I have advantage on the next role. Well, so I just want to say that like, Chris, I think you just created my, my homebrew rule for uh, failures and successes in, in skill challenges. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say what I was going to say in the first place, but just know uh, listeners that, Everything I say from here is not how I'm going to be doing it because I think Chris it's, just made up the greatest one. Yeah. Uh, this is how I'm saying it. But like, I, like I was going to originally say, like I, I would be, uh, uh, I would sometimes do the crit one is two failures, crit uh, nat twenty is two successes. Uh, I was also thinking that a uh, crit one could, um, rather than add two failures, it can add another success that needs to be another success that needs to happen before you succeed the challenge. So it's gone from a six success to a seven success. And maybe that's because the failure resulted in another problem that you have to add in a different type of skill that needs to like fix that problem. Like your failure means that you tripped off of the bridge and you're now holding on. And so the next challenge uh, that's coming up, the next check is your friend uh, trying to help you back onto the bridge. But yeah, like I said, Chris's disadvantage and advantage, I think, is probably the best version of that in my mind. So that's the one I'm going to go forward and use. You don't have to, Neil. You do, Neil. I hate it. We need no, unity no, no. here. Well, no, so, so the other. <laughs> I so, so I was watching um, Nerd Immersion, which is a channel on YouTube. You should check it out. It's great stuff. Um, also, because he does the news, and it's great because then I don't have to go find the news. It's just a wonderful experience for me. One of the other things is that um, as 5th edition went on, and I was thinking it's Mordecai's or Tasha's, one of the books where it adds additional uses for tool proficiencies, um, one of the things is if a use of a tool and a use of a skill applies to the same thing, you already gain advantage on that check, um, which makes those tool proficiencies a lot more viable means a lot more fleshes out your character in a different way because who does who is who in this world doesn't think back to like the random thing they've done to better apply to the scenario they've currently found themselves in like you know I have brewer brewers tools does that help me with um a magic arcana check related to potions I don't know it could I mean and there's justification so like adding that advantage and disadvantage and then like layering those things in, I think is always a really good dial to turn. Um, 
uh, because again, it really it helps the players either. It helps the players help themselves. Um, but no, it just I think it's just a lot more fun to to add those things because it, it it's so tangible, especially because you're getting to roll multi. You're either getting or having to roll multiple dice depending on advantage or disadvantage. And I think there's something really about that tactile feel of those that inspires players to go towards it. How would you guys run uh, who's uh, like turns in a skill challenge? Who goes next? We were talking about this um, before we recorded, and uh, Neil, you were saying that one of the easiest ways to do it is just treat it like combat in the sense of roll initiative. And so you go based off of your initiative, who takes the next skill challenge turn? Yeah, well, I think going back to figuring out what, like, you know, how strict are the rails, again, to be more helpful for either per- either side of the screen, having just a hard initiative count then you know and then because there's something also convenient about like okay i know i can do this and then you can do that but the other is that everyone gets a turn per round you know and so the scenario we kind of played through is like if i'm running it mitch you take your turn chris you take your turn but it just makes more sense for the next round that chris you go ahead and take another turn based on whatever we're talking through through that scenario be it just makes more sense. And then Mitch would have to take his turn next because you've already taken a turn that round. Yeah. So basically your, your rule would be no one can take a second turn until everyone has taken a turn that round. Yeah. I mean, I think obviously like if you're in combat, like we talked about one of the scenarios, if you're in combat and you have a skill challenge going on, you're probably going to be in initiative order at the same time. Yeah. There's some uh, ticking (laughs) clock countdown like that. You can't just wait forever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But a social situation, I might DM differently. Like I might I might say, listen, like I don't want um, a player taking the whole entire skill challenge if the other players are like, but we want to be part of this. Um, but I've definitely been at situations at the table where I've had players who would rather have somebody else do that skill check or or even be the one who's speaking the whole time. Uh, and really, skill challenges can be for a whole entire party. You could also have a skill challenge that's just for one player for a certain situation. Well, so here's another rule that speaking of ter- speaking of turns, here's another rule, and I'll throw it out there, and we'll we'll, we'll see how we like it. One of the things that the Critical Hit podcast did, which is a super long running um, fourth edition podcast. And there's, and I think part of it is certainly the element that the podcast, you know, when a podcast is created, there is an intent that it does need to create a, a certain level of entertainment value that is not necessarily required at your personal table. So that said, I still like this rule where, again, let's let's say we're going in order. Mitch, you do athletics. That means that Chris, you could not do athletics yes. next. Also, Mitch, for your next turn, you could not do athletics. Basically, no no character can do the same check twice in a row, and no no check can happen back to back. It you know it just stretches the the mental muscles to do different things because you know at the end of the day, like we all know which skill we're best at, and so I mean maybe it's okay and maybe it's fun and narratively it can work, but there's something to be said about not having to do just an athletics check every single time. Yeah, we need we need five 
successful attempts at an athletics check is not, in my mind, an interesting skill challenge. Um, maybe, yeah, I don't want to like say that that can never happen, but for me, like, yeah, I think you'd want some diversity in the skills. And I think that if you're choosing that players can go whenever they want to as well, and not knowing what that next skill is going to be, well, you might have a player go athletics. I've got this one. I'll do it. Well, okay. You're done for this, this round of the skill challenge. Uh, and then another one comes up. Uh, that's an arcana check and they're like, dang, I'm also the best at arcana. Well, it's okay. You can't go though now. So somebody else is going to have to go and it might end up with somebody who's not good at that skill going, which is going to add pressure to the situation, which in my mind is a fun situation. I love the idea. So of, of a social situation being like, if you all are invited to this ball, right then everyone has to do one of the skill checks at some point. Like yeah. you might up the difficulty or like the the amount of failures. So instead of like three, if you have six people in your party, like it's not automatically going to be a super hard one. You might say it takes six successes and six failures instead. So everybody's involved in it. So at least there's this one moment where like the barbarian is <laughs> hanging out in the corner of this ball with no shirt on or whatever. And it's just like, somebody approaches them, they have to at least do the yeah. challenge once. And just that for the player it, right? is just crossing their fingers for an intimidation check. <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> please, right. please, 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 please. <laughs> but you allow them to say there are seven, instead of saying a specific skill check that goes with that, you say, what is your situation in this moment that you're going to try and use? It could be intimidation, right? You could say, well, I'm going to intimidate this person into giving me information or, or saying like, it might not be intimidation to intimidate them, but like they do something that's like super intimidating. Like they're talking and all of a sudden it's like, Hey, I bet you can't scare that bartender over there by slamming your ax into the bar. Yeah. Right. Ripping oh, well, a phone booth accepted. It, I'm going to intimidate. Book. Yeah. Right. <laughs> challenge accepted. I'm going to do that instead of the yeah. situation of like, uh, I'm not good at talking, you know, like you could allow them to say, Hey, this is a six challenge. Like this, you have to get six things for the number of parties. You guys can decide what you want to do here in order to get this, but it's up to you to figure out how that's going to happen. Yeah. Skill check to stand menacingly near table roll. Or to not say anything, or to not say anything dumb, like to be left alone. Like you could be intimidating that way, you know? I think one thing that we haven't uh, talked about that is really, really important to the idea of coming up with uh, skill challenges is as the DM, uh, you you really want to, and this is why I think for me personally, I like the idea of planning skill challenges ahead of time rather than improving them. Improv them, sure, but like for me, I'm going to do better planning them ahead of time with the idea that as DM, it's my job to describe narratively the successes and the failures and what they look like. Uh, because a very boring skill challenge is, uh, all right, roll your athletics. Great, you pass. Okay, now next up, you have to roll a nature check. Oh, you failed. Okay, next up, like, you know, like, describe what happens when they succeed, what happens when they fail, set up in narratively what that next skill check is going to look like and why it is the type of skill that's being um, chosen there in that situation. I think that's really important to make this exciting. Yeah. And you could also have them do that too, at the same time. Absolutely. Like you guys could work together on describing what it looks like. And if they have a really cool idea of how to add to that, or, you know, in the same way that critical role says when they kill somebody, like, how do you want to do this? You know, like what well, you could say you succeed. So 
what does it look like? You know, what does it look like to succeed? You know, and that way you're getting your players into it too. And yeah. That was a great element of the Edge of the Empire Star Wars uh, role-playing game was it was based off of successes and failures. And the rules stated that the player was in charge of describing their failure or their success and how it looked like. And so maybe as DM, you're you're setting up the skill check uh, of the skill challenge and your players are describing their success and their failure and what it looks like uh, narratively. All right. Well, we've kind of talked about the mechanics for skill challenges, why we would use them, how we would use them. Uh, Last but not least, we thought it would be nice to just come up with uh, some scenarios, uh, some examples of different times that a different types of scenarios that could be a skill challenge that you could use in games. So what are some situations that come to your mind um, for different types of skill challenges to use? I think a chase is probably a really typical one where you're either being chased or you're chasing someone. And then because at that point, your success and failure is pretty, pretty straightforward um, in that either you get away or you catch the person you're after. Um, I think that's a really good way to implement a chase is through skill check, skill challenge. I'd much rather use a skill challenge for a chase scene than a combat situation where I'm having to go. How do I do this with this map limitations? And especially <laughs> if players split up and do I have to, if I'm using any sort of like model for uh, scenery, do I have to move them to show that this map is moving? Or like, to say, oh hey, gosh, that seems like a nightmare. At, you have yeah. the same movement speed. So you're both dashing and you all move at the same <laughs> speed. That's absolutely <laughs> a chase would be a, a perfect situation for a skill yeah. challenge. I think, I think about like, dire situation so um different than a chase scene but like there's a runaway carriage in the middle of town and somebody has to stop it right it may require some skill challenges in order to calm the horse down or if you're out at sea and your ship is in the middle of a storm and you have to right your way through it right or you come up against like a treacherous whirlpool or something like that out in the out in the waters like moments like that that it's not going to be one success clearly and you get out um, it's going to require a little bit more because of the stress of the situation, um, because it's a dire situation could very easily turn into a skill challenge. Now, one of the things that I thought of was something that's certainly not uh, dire. And that's like you're at your characters at a, at a festival or a carnival and they want to engage in some like games there or some some challenges that maybe lead to them uh, if they succeed winning some prizes or even just like the pride of like being the person who ran the obstacle course in that city um, the best, uh, they get a medal. A skill challenge, I think, is a much more interesting form than just, all right, we're basing it off of one roll, one check. You yeah. s- you succeed or you fail, but having this mechanic set up, uh, I think, would be really cool. I think in a similar vein, like we have talked about the difference between like PVP and PVE. Like if you're at a carnival, for example, and this can be used to other places too, like a bar or whatever, but somebody has like the world or the town is the, it's the town arm wrestling champion, right? But you might not have stats for this person because you're making it up on the spot. You could very easily turn that into a skill challenge, right? Like you don't have to, it, it, maybe it's not one that you share, but you could very easily say, you know, it's going to take them five successes to do this and three failures. And you could describe, you could just have them roll the entire time and say, if they pass this, they get a success. And you describe it as like, oh, if you failed, you're, you know, 
you move back a little bit and you're failing now. And you can do it that way in case you don't have stats rolled up for the town arm wrestling champion or something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I also like it's we brought up the idea that in combat you could have a skill challenge because the way that's the way you're setting it up. It could also be a way to continue to engage certain players because inevitably your party has split. One one side of that split has decided to start punching um, <laughs> and the other side is off doing something completely unrelated. Um, but as a way to kind of engage in that same routine, you just you're having them do a skill challenge because it could be as simple as they're shopping to get the best price. There's no reason I can't make that a skill challenge while the other people are in the middle of a bar fight. Yeah. And so, yeah, potentially using it as a way to engage in that same process, because then we're still going around the table in potentially initiative order and then calling on that person to make their next. The moral of the story, though, never split the party. (laughs) Well, I mean, sure. That sounds great. Well, Neil, you brought up like traveling earlier, too. And I think traveling is a great time to use skill challenges and to like give your players a chance to describe success, failures, what those things look like, them hunting for food. Um, and like those failures could end up in being a combat because maybe they're hunting for elk and well, they they fail so bad that they go into owlbear territory and that ends up being a combat that you add because they fail. Um, that's part of that failure. Um, another one that I thought of uh, that I think kind of changes my mind of how fast a skill challenge could go is like a escape situation, like a prison break or something where it could literally be the entire night is a skill challenge of a prison break. And you're, you're role playing through all of those situations to escape and slowly uh, adding successes or failures. um, And that could end in either success of escaping that prison or failure, um, whether it's complete and total failure or, well, you succeeded, but you got two failures in there and you alerted guards and uh, they're chasing you down. And you've got that scenario that, Chris, you said earlier, like you dropped something that is going to lead them to, you know, you're you're being tracked down. So the next time that we get together and play, you're on the run uh, with a bunch of um, the city guard on your tail. Yeah. Your idea of the prison break brought up an idea for me that you could do a set of skill challenges within a greater skill challenge oh, scenario. <laughs> the ultimate skill challenge. Well, no, like if you're, oh! if you're having an entire night of skill challenges, like a, yeah. like a prison break or something, like you could very easily say like each scenario you walk into is a set of You might not get caught right there, but that is a failure against you. And every time you succeed, it might actually count as a success towards the bigger skill challenge that's going on for the night. So after that. five, like you may find a place to hide, you know, um, or something like that, that is successful with inside of the, you know, whatever the situation is, but you could do a set of skill challenges inside. You have a little chart on the board for each one. And then you have a giant chart on, like behind you. <laughs> that's just looming over the players. Like this is the big this one. Is it. <laughs> this is it. Yeah. I like that a lot. You know, one thing that we didn't talk about that I think that, for me as a DM, this would really encourage my players on is to use those inspiration tokens that they always forget are in front of them. They always probably remember, start remembering if I do skill challenges more. So, so I will, I will circle us up with what I think is probably the best media example of skill checks versus skill challenge. 
And it is the very beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm. When he's going in, those are skill checks. When he's going out, it is definitely (laughs) a skill challenge. Did not get run over by the boulder. And and that concludes our homework. Go watch that movie. (laughs) Done. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, we hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the Dungeon Master's Block. Um, If you uh, have thoughts on skill challenges, uh, if you've come up with your own system, uh, you can write us an email at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. You can also go onto your podcatcher app of choice and leave us a five-star review. It helps us to reach other people um, and hopefully keep on growing that Dungeon Master community out there um, in the world. That's definitely one of our uh, highest goals for the show. And if you wanted to follow us on social media, you can always head over to Twitter and find us at DMS underscore block. That's at DMS block or like us on Facebook. Find us on Instagram. The Dungeon Masters Block is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network, where you can also go to listen to other shows like Geek Wars, uh, Detentions and Dragons and Daughters and more. Well, that's it. Well, that's all we have for this episode of the Dungeon Masters Block, the place where we come together to talk about the Dungeon Master, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the ego of everyone else at the table. I'm DM Neil. Good luck. <laughs> Have a great night, everyone. Keep on Dungeon Mastering. Bada boing, bada boom. Goodbye.